It feels like being stuck in a glass box. You can see out, but you can't get out. It feels like you have to cook a feast for 50 people while also cleaning your house and schooling your kids, and you have less than a day to do it, but really, you have nothing to do. It feels like drowning and trying to swim is just too hard. It feels like rage just under your skin. It feels like fog. It feels like loneliness when you're surrounded by people. It feels like being in a slow-motion dream. Everyone else seems so normal. Everyone else seems to have energy. Everyone else seems to be able to get dressed and do things and take pleasure in air and people and pumpkins. I am tired. I am so tired. And I am sad and I feel overwhelmed nearly all of the time for no reason. My body crawls with anxiety in the middle of the night, during the day. I am jealous of people who seem to be able to function well and get things done and enjoy life. I am tired. I have tried to claw out of this box, this thing that has me under it, but I can't. I can't fix this weary soul. God, help. How do you forgive when the wound is still open? How do you leave a legacy of redemption instead of dysfunction? How do you trust God when your deepest fears are realized? Join me, Sarah May, along with some wise mentors along the way as we explore these and other messy heart topics and the strategies we can use to seek healing in the pain and restoration in the ruins. Welcome to the Complicated Heart Podcast. Hi, friends. I have had a lot of requests to talk about anxiety and depression and specifically why I choose to take medication. So in today's episode, I'm going to talk about my anxiety journey and some things I have learned. If you struggle with anxiety or you know someone who does, you'll want to make sure to listen. But before I begin, I want to share two quick things. One, I am having a book launch party for the Complicated Heart book that comes out in September, and I would love to see you there. The party is going to be in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and how this thing is going to go down is that I'm going to give a small talk on complicated relationships. I'm going to have a short Q&A with my family, a book reading, and then we are going to have some fun, music, food, dancing, photo boothing, and all around celebrating how God takes seemingly hopeless stories and turns them into something beautiful and meaningful. I'd love to see you there. So if you'd like to come, just head to sarahmay.com forward slash launch party to learn more or to get your ticket. The link is also in the show notes. The second thing I want to let you know about is that my book is available for pre-order. So yay, cue all the joy and happy emojis. So while I'm excited, the real question is, why would you want this book? Well, if you are somebody who struggles in a tangled up relationship, a relationship that is manipulative, confusing, that has you feeling crazy sometimes, or like you don't know what in what is up and what is down, this book is going to help you because it's the story of how I learned to love and forgive my alcoholic mother. But really, it's more than that. It's about how dysfunction doesn't have to be our legacy. So this book talks about how we, you know, how do we forgive when it hurts? Uh, how do we know when to stay and when to say peace out? How do we set boundaries? How do we mourn our losses? And can we really believe that God still answers impossible prayers? So I'm really excited about the book, but I'm really excited because I think it's going to, I hope, help a lot of you out there who struggle in a really difficult relationship. If you pre-order it, it helps both of us because when you pre-order, you are telling Amazon and other outlets that this book is important and they should have it stocked for launch day. If there aren't enough pre-orders, not enough demand, Amazon will run out. And if you've ever seen that awful little writing under the buy now button that says available in 20 days, this is why. Also, when you pre-order, all of those sales go towards what's called first week sales. And when those add up, a book can get on various publishing lists, which is important because then the book gets in front of more people, which means it gets in more hands, which means it has more impact. So... If you want to help us both, you can pre-order The Complicated Heart at sarahmaycom forward slash books, or you can go to the link in my show notes. 
Thank you so much. Okay, let's get started. I have struggled with depression off and on, I would say, since the end of my high school years. And sometimes that depression would be mild and sometimes it would be pretty debilitating. Sometimes it was circumstantial, like there would be a breakup with a guy or something and I couldn't get out of bed or go to class. Like there would just be this dark cloud over me uh, because I was, I just didn't want to be alone. And then other times it seemed like it came out of nowhere and I didn't understand why I was just feeling so awful. Um, Over the years, it got worse. I would say after I had children, I am sure that I I had postpartum depression. I I wouldn't have named it that. I wouldn't have known. But I I definitely think that I did. And then um, it got really bad a few years ago when I can just remember feeling so like I couldn't get out of bed. It felt like there was like a big heavy blanket on me and I couldn't get out from underneath it. That's how it felt for many days. And I seemed to have just lost a lot of joy. And my husband would say things to me like, you're just not any fun anymore. And I was like, I don't really care. (laughs) I didn't want to do anything. I can remember the one year my family going to watch the fireworks and I just stayed home. I just, I think I said something like, I don't feel well. But really, it was that my spirit didn't feel well. There was just that darkness. So I, I have struggled with it for a long time. And the one year that it got really bad, I can just remember crying and asking or saying to God, like, Lord, I don't know what is going on, like why this is happening, but I'm going to praise you in it anyway. And I would just play worship music. And I would just be crying. And I remember doing dishes one day and just turning around and sitting on my kitchen floor and just weeping and not knowing why, not understanding. And then I would, I would get better. I think there was some seasonal stuff as far as weather goes, maybe. Um, but then uh, two years ago in October 2017, I decided I felt led by the Lord to put our kids in public school. We had been homeschooling them. And so we decided to put our kids into school. And after that, things got really bad. So once they were gone and I was home alone during the day, the depression got really bad. I would cry off and on for hours, not understanding why. And then, of course, I had feelings of worthlessness because I wasn't working I was feeling like I couldn't write or do anything of purpose, and I physically couldn't. I was such a mess. And my kids, I think, being home with me for all that time was sort of like a Band-Aid. And when they went to school, it was like the Band-Aid being ripped off, and the wound that was underneath was all of a sudden exposed. And so at first I thought, am I just depressed because my kids are going off to school And I think there was some real sadness with that because I homeschooled for 10 years. But it was more than that. It was the kids going off to school. It allowed me to be just with myself. And when I was just with myself, everything fell apart. Now, it's important to say a couple of things here because over the years, as I have struggled with depression, people have made really wise and kind suggestions to me, like, you know, why don't you get your thyroid checked? You know, maybe something is wrong with you physically. And so I did. I I got those things checked and I was fine. Um, Another thing is that I'm pretty open to dealing with and healing root wounds and sin and repenting when need me. Not, Not that I'm perfect at it, of course, but I'm, you know, truly am pretty open to dealing with my junk and I have gone to therapy and I'm completely willing to say, Lord, is there something underneath all of this depression that we need to deal with? And there has been for sure. Um, but it didn't take care of all of it. Another thing is that I'm very grateful. I am so grateful for my life and my family and I love the Lord, but that did not push back this lingering darkness or this heavy blanket, like I said. 
And the last quick thing I want to say about struggling with depression over the years is that I had cried out to God several times about my depression, asking him to help me. And he did in various ways. Um, But even when I couldn't get out of it, he still, I still felt so surrounded with his love and his tenderness. And I felt like he used friends to encourage me and lift me up, even in the darkest times, even when I couldn't get out of the depression. So I feel like I wanted to say those things because where I'm about to be headed is why I decided finally to try medication because I for sure did not want to. And I honestly, for years, just figured that my depression was sort of my, my burden to bear, like my thorn. I would just have to live with it. Um, and so I kind of had decided that I would bear it and just praise God in the pain of it. Um, but after my kids went off to school and I got really bad, I realized that this sadness, this heaviness just seemed to cover every inch of my soul. And it was really affecting my mothering, me being a wife, me working, it was affecting everything. And so I started to have thoughts about medication, but then I would quickly think, no, I'm not going to be one of those people that takes medication. The only people who need medication are people who are suicidal, and I'm not, or people who are just really, really bad, and I'm not really, really bad. And so I kind of thought, um, no, like, and I don't want to take something that might give me cancer one day or cause me to have a heart attack or some other awful side effect that you always hear about with medications. So I thought, no, 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 that's, that's not me. I don't need that. I'm not going to do that. Um, like I said, I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of bear it and, and just keep, you know, praying and, you know, just, I'll just keep going one day at a time. But see, the thing with <laughs> depression and if you struggle with this, you'll know what I'm talking about, is you actually isolate yourself. And so you don't reach out. You really, you're making it one day at a time, but you're kind of just surviving. And you stop calling people and you stop talking to people. And you don't want to get together with your friends or anybody else because it's too much. It's too hard. Um, the thought of getting up and going anywhere or doing anything or seeing anyone or talking to anybody, it all just feels like too much. It's too overwhelming. But I had mentioned a few minutes ago that I had really kind and supportive friends. And that's because they wouldn't let me go. When I get real quiet, and when I isolate, they tend to, to, you know, reach out to me and they'll say, hey, we haven't heard from you. What's going on? And so slowly, I started to open up about how bad my depression was. Now, I didn't want to tell my husband yet, because I was embarrassed. And I wasn't sure what he would think of me. And he, he, you know, he knew me, he knows me, he knew that I would go in and out of these depressive sort of seasons, but he didn't know how bad it had gotten. And I didn't want to let him in on it. So I started to slowly talk to my friends about it. And a couple of them had told me that they had struggled with depression and had taken medication. And I was like, what? You did? You took medication? And the one friend was like, yes, and it really helped me for a season. And another friend of mine was like, oh, yeah, right after I have a baby, I'm basically on medication. Like she knows herself so well and she knows what happens. And so she just handles it. And that started to like open my mind a little bit like, okay, God, like what do you say about this? And then I read a blog post where Liz Curtis Higgs talked about her depression and how she was taking medication to help. And in the post, she wrote, if your body needs more serotonin, then swallow your pride and swallow the pill your doctor prescribes for you. Don't let the fear of what will people think keep you from getting the help you need. After reading that and doing a little more reading and hearing from other people and praying about it, the fears of the side effects started to fade. And I remember telling one friend, I think I'm only considering medication because I'm writing a book and I need to be able to get it done. If I weren't writing, I would just live like this. And she replied so wisely. She said to me, but Sarah, maybe God is saying 
you don't have to live like this. Maybe you don't have to live like this. Maybe I could live in the light. Maybe I didn't have to suffer in the dark. Maybe, just maybe, something is a little whack in my brain chemistry and I don't have to just live with it. Maybe there is help. And that is the day that I finally called up a doctor that she recommended and I went in and I talked with him and he was so kind and he was sympathetic and he told me there is nothing wrong with getting help. And so after he evaluated me, I discovered something very interesting. He told me that what the real underlying um, issue that was going on was anxiety. And that's what the evaluation showed. And I said, no, I'm not an anxious person. Like, I'm a really chill person. Like, I am not anxious. And he said, well, actually, everything that you've said to me uh, and everything that you've told me about how you don't want to go anywhere, how overwhelmed you feel, and all of the questions that I had answered, he said, that actually leads me to believe that you are struggling with anxiety. And the thing about anxiety is it often leads to depression and they're linked. And another doctor friend of mine had said, they're like evil cousins. <laughs> so I was shocked, but the more I thought about it, the more it made sense and the more I talked it through with him. So like, for example, I would wake up in the middle of the night several nights a week with a feeling of steel moving up my shoulders and my neck accompanied by overwhelming feelings of not doing enough for my kids. I felt guilty about anything that didn't involve me being a good mom, a perfect mom, doing all the right things. My husband constantly would assure me that I was a good mother, but I couldn't hear it. I just thought he didn't understand. And so my the anxiety that I had would really paralyze me from wanting to see people, from wanting to go places, from constant thoughts of just all the things I wasn't doing right. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to sleep in the middle of the night. And I would think on the scriptures about casting my anxiety on Jesus and letting him care for me about how his peace surpasses all understanding. But my brain just couldn't quite catch up with the truth. So my doctor put me on a very low dose of anti-anxiety medication. And he said it would take about a month before it started to work. So I went and I picked up my prescription and I just trusted God and I decided I was not going to look up any side effects. I was just going to, to just try this and trust the process and, and pray and just take the medication and see if it helped. What I did not do was tell my husband what I was doing. I did not tell him how bad the depression had gotten, and I did not tell him that I was going to get medication because I was afraid of what he would think of me. Even though I had no reason to think that, I just automatically started to believe this lie, or as Brene Brown says, which I love, she says, what is the story you're telling yourself? And the story I was telling myself was that my husband would judge me that he would think I was weak and that I should just pull myself up by the bootstraps, get it together, and not be such a baby. That was the story I was telling myself. But that was not the reality. But of course, I didn't know what the reality was because I was telling myself that story. So instead of telling him, I treated him really unkindly. I was short with him and angry that I couldn't tell him. Really, I was feeling shame and I was taking it out on him. Being the good and kind man that he is, one morning he asked me to go to breakfast with him because he wanted to talk. He knew something was wrong. I had been treating him terribly, and he really wanted us to deal with it. So he basically point blank was like, what is going on? What is wrong? And with tears in my eyes and unfounded fear in my heart, I told him about my depression and anxiety and the meds I had just picked up. Why didn't you tell me, he asked. And I said, I was afraid you'd think I was stupid. And he said, you never even gave me a chance. He was right. I didn't even give him a chance. Yet here he was initiating a breakfast to set things right. And he took my hand and he said, 
if you need to take medication, take medication. Now, I want to say something here for those of you listening who are afraid to tell your husbands what you're going through. I don't know what your husband thinks about medication or depression or anxiety, but I do know this. Before you make a judgment about that or before you think you know, ask yourself, like, what is the story I'm telling myself? And is it true or is it just something that I'm making up in my head because of fear or shame or maybe an offhanded comment he made or something like that? And I would encourage you to step out in faith and tell him the truth or tell a friend the truth or your parents the truth and give them that chance to hear you out. I would encourage you to do that. Okay, so I began to take the meds and after about a month, <laughs> they did start working. And it I, I remember telling um, people, it's like walking out of the dark and into the into the light. I began sleeping through the night. Uh, I wasn't waking up with anxiety. All of the like pain in my body and that feeling of steel crawling at my arms at night, it went away. I wanted to do things again. I didn't feel as tired as I used to feel. Um, it really just helped me to feel normal again and to function. And, and so it's not that it takes away whatever things that God may want to deal with us, but sometimes it helps us just to get through and to be able to deal with them or to be able to function. I'm going to talk more about that in a minute. Um, but I will say that after taking the medication, I began to function so much better. And I was so, so grateful that there was help for me and that I finally decided to get that help in the form of medication. Our brains are subject to the fallenness of this world and sometimes the redeeming is found in medical help. As we all know, with all sorts of various medical issues and problems so many of us face, medical intervention can be a gift. So let me just say this. If you are depressed or experiencing overwhelming anxiety, I would encourage you to be open and honest with safe, kind people and be willing to talk to a doctor. You may not need medication. I don't think medication is like the be-all, end-all of everything. And I'm not advocating that anyone with depression and anxiety run off and get medication. I'm saying be open to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Have him search your heart and see what's going on and where you might need healing or repentance. And if he leads you towards the option of medication, you have no need to fear. He is with you and ultimately in control of every bit of your body and your mind. And so you do not need to be afraid. Talk with a good doctor. Again, talk to safe people. <laughs> Get a therapy appointment if you need one. If you need medication, it's likely you need therapy too. And the biggest thing is put blinders on or earmuffs or something like that because people are going to have a lot of opinions. <laughs> and this is really a decision between you and God, and your spouse, if you have one, and your doctor. And so you need to push out all of the other opinions and go forward in freedom. Okay, so now I want to transition just a little bit from my story and tell you some things that I have learned. I'd really love to encourage you, if you're somebody who is struggling with anxiety and depression, or you know somebody who is, I'm sure that you do, whether you know it or not. <laughs> The first thing I want to say is that anxiety and depression are actually two different things. They just often overlap or like my one doctor said, they're like evil cousins. So I am mainly going to talk about anxiety right now. But as I talk about it, you will see how depression overlaps with it. Briefly, I will say this, that when I think of depression, I think about what David says in the Psalms, how he calls it a downcast soul. It's what some have called the dark night of the soul. It's a very overwhelming, consuming heaviness. When I refer to anxiety, I'm really talking about worry because that's what the Bible calls it. So let's go ahead and jump in. The first thing I want to say 
um, is that what you're feeling, if you're struggling with a darkness or you are struggling with feeling so overwhelmed when there doesn't seem to be any reason to be overwhelmed, if you're feeling like how I described in the intro of this podcast, like things are a fog or like there is rage just under your skin or you feel like everybody else is normal and you're not or all of those things that steel that crawls up you at night or you can't sleep or you're constantly thinking about things, your mind is on overdrive and you just can't seem to quiet it. The thing that I want to tell you is that you need to acknowledge that what you are feeling is real. Now, please don't confuse this with saying that everything you're feeling say is true and you should do everything they say. That's not what I'm saying. I'm simply saying what you are experiencing is something you're experiencing. <laughs> it is real. And no matter how much you try to control it, it just seems like it often controls you. And it can feel overwhelming and it can feel as though you are just absolutely helpless. And I know that some of you are feeling this way. And some of you have heard, like, you know, just get it together, trust God more. Um, you know, you're not uh, believing enough. You don't have enough faith. It's impossible for you to feel anxiety and to be grateful. You know, I know that that's a disservice to you because it's treating a very real thing that you're experiencing in a trite way. And that's something for you, what you're experiencing, it's physical. And so I just want to validate you and say that what you're experiencing is real. And it doesn't mean you have to listen to what it's saying as far as oftentimes with anxiety a lot of negative thoughts come along with that. Like you're worthless, it's hopeless, you're terrible, you're stupid, why bother trying, all of those things. I'm not saying to listen to those things. I'm simply saying acknowledge that those things are in your head and that this is happening to you and, the, and that a lot of it is physical. So that's the first thing that I think is important is that we're just acknowledging the truth of the thing. We're just acknowledging what's happening. We're not going to do what I did <laughs> where I was all, I'm not that bad. People are worse, you know, blah, 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 blah. Like if you're experiencing it, you don't have to compare yourself to anybody else. You can just say, this is what I am experiencing. And it's true and it's real. And God, will you help me sort out what are the lies and what is the truth? Okay, so what actually is anxiety? Um, anxiety is worry or a fear of something. The biblical word for anxiety actually means to be fractured, to be torn in two. And so you aren't living as a whole person because you're torn up inside. And the Bible says that Jesus came to bind up our wounds and heal the brokenhearted. And so he intends to deal with your fear and your anxiety if you'll let him. So what is it that you fear? If you pay attention to your anxiety, if you pay attention to the worry, if you don't push it away, if you don't judge yourself for it, if you just get curious and say, okay, what is this anxiety or this worry trying to tell me? Little caveat here, sometimes we can't do that clearly unless we are getting help from a therapist and or medication. Um, recently, I was trying to wean myself off of my medication while I was in therapy dealing with some really hard things. And my doctor and my husband were both like, are you crazy? Like, you're going to make it worse and you're not going to know what is real, what is true, because your head is so clouded with the anxiety and they were right. And so I took my doctor's advice and my husband's advice and I went back on the medication while I was in therapy so that I could clearly hear and understand and work through the heavy issues that the Lord had brought to the surface. So it's important that you just uh, maybe are willing to say, if my anxiety is too much, if the depression is too heavy, if I can't quite get clear about some things, it would be prudent to talk with a therapist, and or to get on medication so that I can look at some of these layers that maybe God is bringing up under the surface for me to look at. With that said, I want to say, what do you fear? So under my anxiety of waking up in the middle of the night is I fear 
that I'm not going to be a good enough mom and my kids aren't going to love the Lord and I'm just screwing up all over the place. Now, that would consume me physically, mentally, emotionally. When I got on medication, what that did was it just steadied out my, um, uh, I guess it just steadied out the anxiety. It gave me a little more serotonin and I was able to think a little more clearly. So it wasn't that I'm just numbing myself to, some people use medication to numb themselves. Please don't do that. I wasn't numbing myself to the fear. I was simply able then to clearly face it and go, okay, I'm struggling with these things and I'm afraid that I'm not a good mom and Lord, what is the truth? And I'm able to clearly see it more and just not be consumed with it. And when I'm not consumed with it and it's not paralyzing me, then I can actually do something about it. I can go, okay, where are some areas that I could do better as a mom? And then where are some areas where I just need to go, you know what? I'm not going to be a perfect mom. Lord, help me, show me what to do. And you fill in the gaps where I lack because I cannot save my children. I cannot make them love the Lord. I cannot make them uh, be someone else or whatever it is. And so ask yourself, what do you fear? Is it financial? Do you fear that like you're not going to have the money to pay the bills? Those are real actual things to acknowledge and face. What do you fear? If you're somebody in school, maybe you fear that if you don't get the right grades, you're not going to get into the right school and your future is going to be ruined. You know, do you fear that um, your parents, I'm talking to younger girls who might be listening right now, um, how they're going to react to your grades or your relationships or your problems. Do you fear what others think of you? Do you fear being found out? Or how about fearing being unloved or unwanted if somebody knew what it is that they don't know about you? Are you? Do you fear that maybe you're not good enough, pretty enough, smart enough? Fill in the blank. Um, all of these things are fears so often can cause us to be so fractured and torn into inside. We are worrying about them. We are anxious over them. When I worry and begin to fret, God brings to mind the scripture in Luke where Jesus says to Martha, 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 you are anxious about many things, but Mary has chosen the good portion. And what did Mary choose? Mary chose to sit with Jesus, to listen to him, to believe the truth, to attune her heart and her ear to him, even when things may have been chaotic around her. And so I want you to think about what your fears and your worries might be, what is underneath them. And if you want to experience more peace and less anxiety, then you've got to name your fears and be willing to face them. And to face them is to speak the truth that your worth and your value come from Jesus and not from your work or your parents or your spouse or your friendships or your relationships. God is the only one who has the authority to tell you who you are. And if you are in him, you are righteous and you are loved and you're secure. And the thing is that when your identity is in him, you won't need to please people or shut people out. You will still have concerns in your daily life, but the reality is you will know that you are secure in him and you really can trust him with every single thing in your life. Everything, relationships, school, your, your looks, your health, your financial situation. Um, there is a scripture, and I'll put it in the show notes later, that I was just reading this morning um, that says that if we have food and clothing, let it be enough. Let it be enough. Be content. That's hard for a lot of us. And this isn't going to cure your anxiety or your worry. Please don't hear me wrong. But remember, Jesus wants us to be whole. He came to give us life to the full. He wants to bind up our wounds and heal our broken hearts. And so we've got to be willing to face the truth of our worry and our fear so that we know exactly what it is that we're saying, Jesus, take this. Take this and help me through it. Help me with it. It doesn't mean it's all going to go away. It just means, God, I'm going to trust you with this and in this. Okay, so the next thing I, I want to talk briefly about is knowing when there's more to the anxiety. So some of you will have less anxiety 
as you continue to surrender surrender your life to God. Um, when you get real about whether or not you're trusting him with your whole life, past, present, and future, the thing you need to hear is that surrender is not resignation. It is restoration, believing that God is working good for you. It is not surrender. It's not this idea of like, oh, well, I guess life's just going to be terrible. Blah, 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 blah. I have to live like this. It's actually a restoration. It's believing that even in this, God is working good for you. Your part is obedience, which means walking as faithfully as you know how on this earth, one step at a time, but and, and working hard and, and doing what you need to do or feel like you can do with your capacity and your limitations and who God made you to be, but surrendering the outcome to God. That's the key with our worry. You can't control all the things. You can't control all the financial things that might happen. You can't control who might like you and who might not like you. You can't control whether your kids will know the Lord or not. You can't control every aspect of your health. You can't. You can do your part as faithfully and and as best you can, but you have got to settle it in your soul that you're going to trust the outcome and the rest of it to God. Because what is the alternative? I mean, you can't do anything about it. That's why Jesus says, uh, why worry about tomorrow? Like tomorrow has enough troubles of its own. Is it going to add one more day to your life to worry? No, it won't. So again, I'm not saying like give everything to Jesus and you're never going to worry again. No, that's not reality. I understand that. But there are steps that you can take. There are... um, There are things you can say in your heart and your mind, like, God, I am anxious over this, (laughs) but Lord, would you help me to believe that you are in control of this outcome and that you are good and that you are working good and restoration for me. And what I should have said earlier is it's not just for you. It's for the kingdom. It's for the world. It isn't just for you. It's for the world. We are all a part of something bigger. So I guess the question we need to ask after what do I fear is who do I trust? Am I trusting in my own ability for outcomes or am I really trusting God? And if you're not, that's okay. (laughs) Begin to ask him, Lord, would you help me? Would you help me to trust you? Would you show me how to do that and what that means? Now, for some of you, I know that anxiety goes way deeper than trusting God. It is physical and confusing, and you've tried to figure it out, get it together, um, trust God more, whatever that means, um, but you just don't know how. And here, here is something I really want you to hear, and that is this. Anxiety says, I can't handle this, but the truth is you can handle it, and if you can't, That is when you get help. Anxiety says, I can't handle this. The truth is, yes, you can. And if you can't, that is when you get help. That is when you go see a doctor. That is when you talk to a trusted friend. That is when you make a therapy appointment. But otherwise, you can handle it. You can do more than you think. You have the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit in you. You can do more. One teensy tiny little example of this is that I was feeling massive anxiety. This is a couple of years ago before my medication um, about babysitting a whole bunch of kids whenever I over like on an overnight when I would get around small children, all of my anxiety bubbles like popped like they all were popping all over the place. And that's probably a terrible metaphor example, whatever it's called. Um, But I was like freaking out, like my heart was beating faster. I mean, it was really, really physical, but I had told my friend I would do this. And so not only would I have her five kids, but I would have my three kids in an overnight and there was a baby and a toddler. And it just triggered me back to when I was desperate, back to when I had postpartum depression and I was really struggling. And I remember my counselor friend saying like, because I was building it up, building it up. And she said to me, anxiety is telling you, you can't handle it, but you can, you can do this. And so as I went to do the babysitting, I just kept thinking like, okay, anxiety, you're saying I can't handle it. But you know what? Yes, I can. One foot in front of the other, I can handle it. And I did. So um, 
you can. You can handle it. And if you can't, get help. Okay, real quick, I want to revisit medication. And I just want to say this. Uh, if you need medication, and I said this earlier, but I want to say it again, um, it is likely that you also need therapy. And here's why. Medication only works so well for so long. And it's important that you're working through any unhealthy thoughts and behaviors and beliefs um, just in case there's more stuff to deal with underneath the surface. So I would just encourage you that if you feel as though um, you talk to a doctor and you pray about it and you feel like medication is something that you want to try for a season or whatever, then, or maybe longer, depending on your brain chemistry and what your doctor says and how the Lord leads you, um, I would really encourage you to also talk with a good therapist. Take your time finding one if you need to. Um, just to see what, you know, negative thoughts might be in your head, what's going on, all of that kind of thing. Um, Dan Allender, who I just love, he is a therapist. He says one thing to remember is that the voice of God is always going to be kind. It is going to be gentle. Um, it is not going to be sarcastic. It is not going to be cruel. It is not going to be unkind. So if you're having thoughts in your head that are critical, mean, sarcastic, beating yourself up, that's not from God. And sometimes we can't always distinguish ourselves what is true and what isn't. And so that's where a good therapist can really help us. And they can also help us because if your depression or anxiety is coming from a deeper wound, a hidden wound, something from your past or something you've not dealt with, it's really important that you deal with that because God does want to set you on a path of healing and set you free. Okay, the last thing I want to do for the next just couple of minutes is share some really practical tips if you are struggling with anxiety. So here we go. One, not all anxiety is bad. Anxiety is a way of getting us to do what we need to do. So for example, when I get asked to speak somewhere, I get a little bit anxious because I think, okay, what am I going to talk about? Um, I need to set aside the time to prepare because I very often write new messages uh, for the different events that I go to. And so I get a little bit anxious. But the thing is, it causes me to make sure that I set aside the time and that I take my time to make sure of what I want to say. So if it's consuming me and it's paralyzing me, that is no good. But if it's sort of like that nudge of like, okay, you need to do this, it actually can be really helpful. So sometimes I like to flip anxiety on its head and go, okay, I'm going to listen to you. Like, what do I need to do uh, to make sure that I am prepared as best as I can be? Or even going back to my struggles as a mom, where that anxiety would like pound on my heart in the middle of the night that I wasn't doing enough. Okay, that was bad, but I can flip it a little bit now that I have medication that's steadying me out a bit and I can go, okay, well, what is this trying to say? Like, are there areas that I can do better or that I, I want to actually make sure I'm investing in my kids well um, while then giving the outcome to God and remembering that I am not perfect and I can only do so much with who I am and what my limitations and capacity are. Okay, second, anxiety can show us our sin. So in Psalm 38, 18, it says, for I confess my iniquity. I am full of anxiety because of my sin. I don't think I have to go too much into this because I think you guys know that when you are doing something you shouldn't do, especially if it's a big thing or a big secret or a big sin struggle, you're experiencing anxiety. And so I think if we're experiencing a lot of anxiety and we're not sure why, well, correction, we probably, if it's a sin issue, then you probably do know why, but you can just go before God and you can say, Lord, I don't, I don't want this anymore. I don't want all this anxiety. I mean, confess your sin. It's really hard. That's a whole other podcast episode, <laughs> telling our secrets, confessing our sins, being honest. Uh, but it really will free you. It will free you. Okay, third, and you know this, but I'm going to remind you anyway, that anxiety that rules you or that is consuming you, controlling you, paralyzing you, it doesn't actually help you. And in fact, it will hurt you. And like I had mentioned earlier, Jesus tells us that it won't add one more hour to our life to be 
worried. And so studies actually show that anxiety can lead to illness and even make it harder for us to learn. So if you're just letting yourself get into that worry spiral, then I want to say to you, Martha, Martha, insert your name. (laughs) You are worried, anxious about many things, but Mary has chosen the good portion. Friend, if you are worried about many things and you are stuck in that anxiety cycle, that terrible downward spiral, let me encourage you to sit with God, to get quiet with him, to pray, to be still and know that he is Lord and that he is the one in control of all of the outcomes. He will give rest for your anxious mind and your worried soul. And sometimes that comes in the form of you continuing to sit with him, read his word, pray, trust him. And some of it, sometimes it comes in the form of him leading you to get medication to help with those, that crazy, paralyzing, overwhelming anxiety. Okay, number four. Here's a fun one. Self-talk is proven to help calm your anxiety in the moment, which actually lines up with God's word, which says in Proverbs 12, 25, anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. So I would encourage you to, when those yucky negative um, thoughts come into your mind, to be gentle with yourself, to be kind with yourself. Learn how to replace those unkind thoughts with the truth. And speak kindly to yourself. Speak to yourself like you would speak to a friend who was telling you that they were struggling with their fears or their worries or if they were beating themselves up. What would you say to them? Speak to yourself the way that you would speak to a friend. Number five, and I don't know who said this, but I read it somewhere, probably on Facebook. So who knows if the credit is accurate? And I feel like it was maybe like a Buddhist monk or something. But I, but the, but what it says is actually very true and very helpful. Um, it says, when anxious thoughts come into your mind, think of your mind as having a front and a back door. So the thoughts come in. You don't have to offer them tea. Just show them out the back door. <laughs> I, I love that so much. So when these negative thoughts come in your mind, you don't have to invite them for tea. Like you don't have to ruminate on them. You do not have to invite them to stay. You don't have to let them stay. You can just send them right on out and ask God for the truth. And the last one, this is one that Sally Clarkson always tells me, and it's just sort of a fun one, but... It's actually kind of helpful. Um, When I start to get those anxious thoughts, especially at night when I'm trying to go to sleep, because I still do get anxious thoughts, I still worry about things, Um, Sally says that she takes them and she puts them in the file drawer of heaven. And I love that. And so sometimes these thoughts will come in my mind and I'll think, God, I can't deal with this or I don't know the answer or I'm just, I don't know, but I need to sleep. And I will picture myself taking these thoughts, putting them into a file drawer and just closing it behind me. And I just think, God, these are in your file drawer the file drawer of heaven, like, I need you to deal with this. I cannot. And it it helps just to um, picture that in my mind that I am saying, goodbye for now. I'm closing them in a drawer (laughs) and God can handle it. And of course, last but not least, pray. Pray about these things. Philippians 4, 6 through 7, and I'm sure you've heard it, but I'm going to say it anyway. And I'm going to say, just pray this. Um, It says this, do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I love that. And I already know that some of you might be thinking, ugh, like I have heard that, and it's not that easy, and, you know, all the other things, it's fine. And, but here's the thing. I think that, well, one, it's, it's in God's word. <laughs> it's true and beautiful and lovely and good. And he's saying to us, like, I, I know you can't help it sometimes, but you don't have to be. Do not be anxious. You don't have to worry. You don't have to be fractured in two. 
Jesus can make us whole. Do not be anxious in every single thing that we struggle with. Because see, if he just said, don't be anxious, um, then we wouldn't have to pray and petition and praise God and present our requests, right? He knows we're going to struggle with anxiety. And he's saying, okay, so come before me. Go before him with your prayers, your petitions. Thank him in it, trusting him for the outcome. And then give all your requests to God. He's not saying that you don't have concerns and requests. God, I am so afraid that I am screwing up with my kids. God, I am so afraid I am not going to pass this test and I'm going to do terrible in school and my parents are going to get mad at me. God, I am so worried I can't pay the bills. God, I am so worried that I'm not going to find a husband or be able to have a child. Whatever it is, we can just go before him. And what I love most is that in verse 7, it says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. We don't understand it. We can't figure it out. There's no formula to it. But there is a peace when we choose to hand over all of our fears, all of our worry, all of it over to him. And say, I'm struggling, God. I'm really struggling. But I'm going to trust you with this anyway. Help me. And then it says he will guard. Isn't that an interesting word? I think he says guard because the enemy of our souls is an accuser and a liar. And he wants to accuse us and lie to us and kill us and destroy us and steal our joy and our hope and truth away from us. And this is saying, but if you do these things, if you just say, God, I'm going to trust you with it, even when it's hard, he's going to guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Because our identity is in Christ Jesus. Our salvation is in Christ Jesus. Our hope is in Christ Jesus. He will give us rest and he will give us peace. And he does that in a variety of ways, including using medication. So there you go, friends. That is my story and some things that I have learned And if you have any questions, you can email me at podcast at sarahmay.com, and I will do my best to answer your questions. And if you have anything else that you want me to talk about on this show, please feel free to email me, and I'll see what I can do. All right, you guys. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, I would be so grateful if you would take a minute and leave a review. That really helps other people to find the show and know whether or not to listen. So, yeah. All right, guys. Thanks so much. Talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to the Complicated Heart Podcast. Loved this episode? Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Reviews are how people know if they should listen or not. So please, if you like the show, take a minute and give it a review. Thank you so much. If you want to know more, check out sarahmay.com forward slash the complicated heart podcast. See you next time.